1 Thessalonians 5 is where we're going to be today. 1 Thessalonians 5. If you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to open up and join me there. If you don't have a Bible, there's one that's in the pew uh, rack in front of you, probably within not too far away. And the page number, if you're not familiar with where stuff is in the Bible, page number is right there in the, the worship folder in the order of service. It's page 988 in the pew Bible. You can join us there in 1 Thessalonians 5. If you're visiting with us today, thank you for being here. See some guests with us. We're so glad that you are here. And uh, we want to be people of the book together. And we, we just enjoy uh, God's Word. And this is what gives us life. We've been working our way through this letter from the Apostle Paul, a uh, missionary church planter in the decades just after Jesus walked the earth. And uh, wrote a letter to believers in the city of Thessalonica. We're coming in our, as we've worked our way through piece by piece through this letter, we're coming almost to the end. And so today we're in chapter 5, verses 16 to 22. Before I read that passage to us, before we read that together, what do you see when you look at this picture? What do you see? it? Do you see a glass half empty or a glass half full? And I, don't, and I don't want any smart aleck comments about it. It's half full of water and half full of air. That's, no. But you, you know what this is, right? You, you've, you understand that this is a, a, a test, and it's ultimately not about the water or the glass. It supposedly reveals your personality or temperament or attitude. Um, are you a glass half full kind of person? Or are you a glass half empty kind of person? This morning, we're going to uh, come to Paul's some of the final instructions in Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, and we're going to talk about different ways of seeing things. But our focus is not going to be primarily about you, whether you are an optimist or a pessimist, but really it's going to be the way of looking at things so that we see more of God, uh, who, who He is and how He is at work among His people, which, by the way, will impact your attitude. We're picking up where we left off last week in the middle of a series of these final instructions. And because our passage is a short one, um, I'd love for us to all read it out loud together. In case you're looking at a different English translation, let's just use the screen uh, and we'll read this passage together. So 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 22, let's do it together. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. All right, this is God's word for us today. We're going to break this down into the two parts that we had in those two slides. And here's the theme, though, that's going to hold it all together. Look for the good in everything, trusting that God is at work in you. Look for the good in everything, trusting that God is at work in you. So part one covers verses 16 to 18, and I labeled it this. In fact, if you uh, also, by the way, if you're new with us, um, the bulletin, the worship folder, has the outline on the back of it in case you want to use that to follow along. Here's part one. Providence. Look for the good and turn to God in every circumstance of life. Now, before we consider these three things as distinct activities, pray, excuse me, rejoice, pray, give thanks, 
we should see how they all hang together. First, in their direction or, or, or orientation toward God. Okay, rejoice. Well, I suppose you could just, you know, be joyful. But pray, of course, well, that's easy to see. Pray is clearly directed toward God. And, and give thanks, of course, is not just, we say this at Thanksgiving, it's not just be thankful, it's give thanks. To whom? To God. So then I think we should understand rejoice in the same way. And of course, as Paul himself, same author, says in Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Uh, these three are actually about having a God-oriented life because of all that he has done and will do for you. Another way these three things hold together is in their scope. So rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Now, as uh, we're Westerners uh, in terms of civilization, living after the Industrial Revolution, living in the Internet age, a lot of times we think, we hear, you know, without ceasing, and we think in terms of clock time. Like, I'm supposed to rejoice, I'm supposed to pray, like, every second of every minute of Every hour of it, we could just go on with that. You, you get that. And, uh, and then you reach that, and, you, and then, of course, we go from there, and we think, well, that's impossible, so, I, you know, don't have to do this. But then you get to that third one, give thanks in all circumstances. And, and I, need to, I need to tell you that circumstances is a word that's put in there by the English translators. There's not actually a word in the Greek here for circumstances. It's, it's literally, give thanks in all and so sometimes English translations, will we've got to put something in there because that's, that's kind of clunky English. Give thanks in all things, you know, just to, to be as kind of neutral as possible. Um, it, does, it does have the sense of all the time, but not as filling time slots every second of every hour, every day, but all the time, every day, yes, every day, whether good or bad, whether easy or hard, whether bitter or sweet, rejoice, pray, give thanks. Now, that's what makes these verses a big challenge, isn't it? Because it's not, it's not just the impossibility, like that's not practical, every minute joy, uh, every uh, never stopping prayer. It's the, hard, the difficulty of rejoicing, praying, giving thanks when life's not going so well. Now, before I talk about that, let me, let me give one more way that I think these three hold together. We said they've got the same orientation. They, they direct us to God, and they're directed toward God. Same scope at all times, every situation. And that's why I think that the why at the end of verse 18 is also the reason behind all three. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I think that goes with all three. Now, it's just like he said at the beginning of chapter 4. If you were with us, or you can just flip the page back there maybe. Um, chapter 4, verse 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. You're the process of God working in you to make you more like him, more holy, a more holy life. Uh, and then, he said, he's got, we know he has that in mind because uh, verse 23, where we're going to be next week. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. You are living in a distinctively Christian way, doing what God wants when you rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. 
But I have to say, it's also possible to read this in a slightly different way. So I'm going to ask you to think hard with me. The word this in for this is the will of God might not refer to the activity of pray, uh, rejoice, pray, give thanks. The this could point back to the word all right before it. When you say all circumstances, of course, in English is plural, but the all in the Greek, again, give thanks in all, is singular. And if you look at it this way, Paul is saying something a little bit different, but absolutely consistent with what he teaches elsewhere. The reason that you should always rejoice, pray without stopping, giving thanks at all times in every situation is because whatever situation or circumstance you are in right now, this is the will of God for you. It's all part of his greater redemptive purpose in Christ Jesus. And we know that the Thessalonians got that, they, they understood that, because what we saw at the very beginning of this letter, back in chapter 1, uh, Paul said, chapter 1, verse 6, Thessalonians, we're, we're so thankful for you because when you received the word, you received the word, the gospel, in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. They, even in persecution, they had joy. They were rejoicing in every situation, at all times, giving thanks in every circumstance. So they got it. That, that joy, when you're, when you're in affliction, when you're suffering, when you're being persecuted as they were, that joy makes no sense at all unless you believe, unless you are convinced, rock bottom, deepest part of your heart, that everything good and bad, the pleasant surprises and the unexpected shocks, the, the blessings, the hardships, even persecution, God has a redemptive purpose that he is working out in your life through even that, that he's accomplishing through Christ for you. God is working all things for good, and that means all things. You know this passage. You know what I got to read right now, right? Romans 8, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good to those who were called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. He's going to get you all the way home, folks. But here's a few verses later. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Somebody say amen. Thank you. Now, I know it can be hard to accept all things as the will of God. Why did I have to lose my mom? Why do I have to have another surgery Yet again, when the last one didn't take, why, why is my marriage falling apart? Why is our country in so much unrest? The will of God may seem like a hard thing if all you're thinking about is the events of God is somehow just foreordained, chosen for you. But what all things work together for good means is, this passage tells us, that no thing, Nothing can separate you from the love of God. If all things work together for good to those who love God, then 
No thing, nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That's it. We got something to give joy. We have a reason for joy, folks. We have a reason to look to the Lord, to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, to give thanks in all things. So let's, let's go ahead and get a little more, little more specific, a little more practical. Rejoice always. So we understand. It's not because you're just in denial. I'll just try to put on a happy face and just pretend that everything's great. No. But Paul has to tell us this. He has to tell Christians like them, like us, to rejoice always because so often life stinks. You know, have you noticed? I don't have to ask you that. You know. And it would be perfectly natural, perfectly instinctive to just sort of rise and fall with the rise and fall of the circumstances, events, conditions of your life. So on a good day, you know, you're pretty upbeat. You can, you, you know, you're actually pretty friendly. You're a, you're a likable person and you're engaged in your work and you're getting things done and it's great. And then, but then you have a bad day and then you're kind of surly. And you're a little bit short with people. And you're just kind of, or maybe in a different way, you're, you're just sort of disconnected and, or maybe anxious and, and withdrawn. And, and, but you're, you're rising and falling with your circumstances, your situation. And Paul says, no, rejoice always. Because we've got a, a different, we, we operate differently. We're not like a weather vane that just blows in whatever direction that the winds may be blowing around us. We're more like the compass that no matter which way we are turned, we've always got something inside us that points to what's true, to true north, to, to who God is and what he is for us and what he has promised that he will do. Are we going to be a, a weather vane or a, a compass when the, when the storm is raging around us? Rejoice always is not telling you fake happy when you're hurting. Rather, it says, remember that when life stinks, when life hurts, God will fulfill his purpose for you in Christ. So rejoice today and every day. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Now, if you just think prayer is some sort of like religious activity that you're supposed to do, um, a duty to, pre- to be performed with the regularity of brushing your teeth and this, about the same level of passion. Well, it's not... Anybody, any passionate teeth brushers out there? Um, it's like, uh, I just got to go, go to bed or I got to get to work, whatever. Uh, yeah, with, with the same regularity and the same level of passion as brushing your teeth, well, that's not prayer. Prayer should be turning to God. Going to him with all our needs and concerns, whatever is on your mind. It should include, of course, also the positive side, not just the need. Here's, here's my needs, God, but here's, here's the blessings. Thank you. But that's the next part. Uh, but let's go ahead and kind of pull these together. The implication here is that life is all over the place. I, I, I trust that is true for you. I know it, it is. Some days are going to be so smooth. Oh, man, you think, I got this. Don't stop praying. There are going to be some days that you're like, what is going on? I mean, where, where is God today? Where, where, hey, where, I thought you were supposed to be helping me out. Don't stop praying. It's not the time to say, oh, God, if you're not going to smooth things out for me, then I'm just going to go on and try to fix it myself. Forget, forget you, God. No. When, things, when life is good, don't stop praying. When life is 
hard. Don't stop praying. When there aren't enough hours in the day to get your to-do list done, when the bills are bigger than your paycheck, when, when you are defeated by your repeated failures, don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. Don't give up on the God. Don't give up on God at the moment where you really, really need something or someone bigger than your circumstances. That's not the time to stop praying. That's not the time to give up on God. No, turn to God and trust that he will accomplish his good purpose in his time, knowing that he loves to have his children just ask him for what they need. He loves that. He's a good father. So pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Don't forget to acknowledge God's blessings on the good days. When it's going good, that's, that's also, it has its own temptation, doesn't it? Man, life's going so easy, and, it, and, it, and we, we just tell ourselves it is so, man, the whispers of Satan are so uh, sneaky. Just, I mean, ask Eve, but ask yourself. You, you know yourself. Your things are going along, and you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm really doing, I'm really killing it. I mean, I'm, I am just knocking it out of the park right now. Uh, things are going well, and it's because I've done everything the right way. You know, I, I just, I, I got it. I got this. And that's the lie of the devil. It's a, it's a blessing of God. When things are going well in a broken world, this is God's blessing. It's God's grace in your life. Thank him. Look to God. There's all, and, there, and, and there's even in the bad times, there's something to be thankful for. If you're a believer, there's always something to be thankful for. Uh, it, maybe it's God's ordinary blessings. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. Maybe it's the ordinary blessings of family and friends and food and fellowship of a, a church. But there's always, there's always, even if the family is not looking so good right now, even if the food is, the shelves are a little bit bare, uh, even if you're like, well, I can't thank God for that right now. I don't feel like I've got a lot to thank God for. But you always, a believer always, always has the grace of God extended to us in Jesus Christ. I mean, that, that we know we've got that. We always have something to be thankful for. And so, as we come to God with our joy, with our prayer in terms of requests, we also come with thanksgiving for his sheer generosity, his, the unmerited favor we've received, uh, undeserved mercy. So, make it part of your day, just, you know, always without ceasing, in all circumstances, make it just part of your regular routine to give thanks. And so it's a good thing, isn't it, to give thanks before our meals? I mean, if you're, if you're sitting there asking, like, well, is this, like, so is it in the Bible? Do we have to, you know, pray before a meal? Well, Jesus showed, gave us the example to do that. He blessed the food before he uh, blessed God, uh, thanked God before he ate, the, ate food. And, and if the food is a regular daily, uh, and if, if, if it's a three, day, three times a day, or if you got teenage boys, four, five, six times a day, uh, th- that you set in food in front of you, you're like, every, every moment is a thank you God moment. He is sustaining your life again, again. And, and so, I mean, why not use that as a way to pray without ceasing? Why not use that? Pray before meals. Pray before bed. Pray when you get out of bed. Lord, you've given me another day. Pray when you go to bed. Lord, you got me through another day. Thank you. We, we pray. We, we 
pray without ceasing. We give thanks in every circumstances because that's exactly where God meets us with his provision day by day. Paul showed the believers to do this when he said at the very beginning of his letter, 1 Thessalonians 1-2, we give thanks to God always for all of you constantly mentioning you in our prayers. And that word constantly translated there is the same word here, without ceasing. Paul prayed without ceasing for them, for one another. So pray before your meals. Thank God for the food. Pray as you get up, go to sleep. Remember your brothers and sisters in the Lord and pray constantly with thankfulness for what God's given us. Everything in life can be seen through the lens of God's providence. Look for the good and turn to God in every circumstance of life. That's part one. Here's part two. Prophecies. Look for the good and listen to God as he speaks among his people. Look for the good and listen to God as he speaks among his people. Let me refresh your memory. Here are uh, verses 19 to 22. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now, just like the last section we looked at, these uh, short verses connect, link together like boxcars on a train. Uh, the first link here that we have is the fact that, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14, prophecy is a ministry in the life of the church that is empowered by the Spirit. Uh, it refers to them as one of the spiritual gifts. Now, ooh, spiritual gifts, we know that creates a lot of uh, questions and sometimes controversy in the life of the church. And, and we got questions just from this passage. I mean, what does it mean to quench the Spirit? And are we supposed to be having prophecies in the church? I mean, what was that, what's that going to look like? Well, let's work our way through this. I don't know about you, but when I hear the word quench, I think in terms of, you know, quenching your thirst, uh, which doesn't make sense here. Um, our English word quench, though, has more than one meaning. It, besides meaning to satisfy, like quenching your thirst, it can also mean to extinguish a fire, like put, putting out a fire, and that's exactly what it means here. In fact, that's what the Greek word underneath is uh, often used for, putting out a fire, extinguishing a fire. Now, that should be getting our brains going, right? Remember Pentecost? Remember that, that momentous day when the Holy Spirit came upon all the believers, came with the sound of a mighty rushing wind, and what else? Visible sign, flames of fire resting on each one of them. And that's a, I mean, that's a big deal. I mean, not just like that's a one special day. It's a day that had profound impact on history and everything going forward for not not only the the background of what God has been doing with his people, but how God was going to work with his people going forward. See, it signaled a new era in God's relationship with his people, a new covenant in which he creates new life within every individual believer by his Holy Spirit dwelling within each one of them. And you're like, well, who would want to put out that fire? I mean, who, why would any believer uh, want to smother the powerful presence of God among us? Sure, surely no believer would want to do that. Well, but apparently the Thessalonians were in danger of quenching the Spirit by despising prophecies, one of the gifts of the Spirit. 
That's how these two lines go together. Now, you, you know prophecies can refer to uh, telling the future, telling what's going to happen, what even maybe better, what God is going to do in the future. But it doesn't have to mean that specifically, just telling the future. You get down to the, just, you're working your way down to the base level of what it means, what, it, what prophecy is. It is a word from God communicated to his people through a human spokesperson. What is the purpose of this prophecy? Well, listen to Paul from 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. He says, and this is coming right out of 1 Corinthians 13, right? Remember the love chapter? So here's, here's how 14 begins. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. So, prophecy is a word from God delivered through one believer to another believer for their comfort, strength, and uh, growth as a Christian. That's the purpose of prophecy. And that can happen. I mean, one example of that could be the preaching and teaching of Scripture. That's usually where we, we start. Again, kind of starting baseline here. Uh, and let's, let's, let's run with that for a moment, that particular understanding of prophecy, the preaching and teaching of Scripture. Well, if we're not supposed to despise prophecies, we should not look down upon the ministry of the Word. And instead, we should welcome it. Be eager to hear God's word delivered to you. As we said earlier in the service, we should come expecting that, that God has something for us through his word when we open it up together. Uh, and and not, just, not just me preaching, but any who preach or teach uh, God's word uh, in, in the scriptures, whether that's in Sunday school or leading a small group in other ways, this should not be, what we're doing right now should not be merely a, uh, a dry lecture on theology and morality from an ancient book. Brothers and sisters, if we believe this book, then we believe this is the Word of God written to us, for us, through the apostles and the prophets. This is the prophetic Word right here. So let's start there. And make sure we got, we're clear on this. Make sure we welcome this. This is the Word of God breathed out by the Spirit of God, infusing you with His life according to His promise. This, just even having this Word and having His Spirit at work through His Word in us is the fulfillment of long ago promised uh, covenant working out in us, in this people, and in so many places around the world, even this moment. Preachers and teachers, that means... If you have the responsibility, the privilege to preach, teach God's word, man, we, we can't just make it a lot of blah, blah, blah. And, and you, if you're, if you're a believer coming, don't, don't just kind of go to sleep on this. And I mean that not, well, I mean, sometimes it does happen literally. Uh, and to, if I can assure you, I don't always see you. Some people are like, did you see me fall asleep? No, I didn't see you. It's okay. I, I, but so I mean, sometimes it happens, but I mean, I mean, figuratively speaking, literally and figuratively, don't just kind of, you know, go to sleep on God's word or assume like, 
Oh, yeah. Oh, the preacher's bringing it today. I hope they're listening. No. Brothers, don't despise prophecies. You need this word from God. We need this word from God week by week and not just on Sunday. Open it up. Get in it. This is life for us. This is God's, present, God's powerful presence among us. The Spirit loves to work through the word that, that he inspired and bring it home to us. But prophecy might be more than just preaching and teaching the Scriptures. Now, here's, this is definitely, definitely where more charismatic churches will go, and I want you to just hear me out, and you need to weigh what I have to say here, which is actually what the text says. Um, is there the possibility that in our concern to protect biblical authority, which I don't back away from at all, the objective standard of God's truth in the printed Word of God, that we, in an effort to protect that, that we could miss another vital form of word ministry. What I mean by that is something like this. Not necessarily saying, you know, somebody's going to, uh, looking for somebody to stand up and say, I have a word from the Lord right now for this people. And I'm not, not necessarily saying that. Just It could be something very simple. What if there is a place for seemingly impromptu words that are actually prompted by the Holy Spirit in the moment Words of exhortation, words of encouragement, words of comfort that don't come from the pastor, that don't come from the Sunday school teacher or the small group leader, but that may come simply from one believer to another in a small group discussion or in a conversation in the parking lot after the service or in a phone call or text message throughout the week. Could God, could God give a word to a believer for another believer I believe he does that. Now, you may, you may or may not be conscious of, like, I have a word for, uh, from God for you. And, and I don't really encourage necessarily, like, I, I, I have the gift of prophecy. I am, you, can, you can refer to me as prophet I, I, because I regularly have words for people. That, like, it, it's not, we don't have to go there to receive the blessing of, of the, and the power and the reality of the, that God, if we expect that, because of Pentecost, because we are, on, we are living after that time where God has indeed given each believer his spirit, wouldn't we expect our behavior and our speech to reflect the activity of God, the life of God in us? And does he not want to bless others through the gifts that he's given his people by the presence of his spirit in their lives? Yeah. So, don't despise prophecies. In fact, Paul says, in, as we said, read in 1 uh, Corinthians 14, you know, be eager to you know, pursue love and pursue the kinds of gifts that build up other believers. That's what we're looking for here. Now, you, you can say, well, well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, Pastor. We don't want people claiming biblical authority for things that just pop into their heads. I agree 100%. Do not want to claim biblical authority for things that just pop into their heads. But isn't that why we have the next verse? But test everything. The next, next phrase. But test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Understood as hold fast only to what is good. There's some things you're just going to let drop. You're going to let go. It's, it's like, um, thank you, but uh, you, that another believer says to you, thank you, but I'll think about that. 
Uh, Maybe. Maybe that's from the Lord. Maybe it's not. You see that, that what's going on here in these few lines, there, there's, you've got these extremes in the life of the church, and I think it's going to be reflected in our churches today. Some uh, are, the, are the instinctive kind of wet blanket, just quenching the spirit, like, ah, I don't, you know, let's just, we're really narrow in terms of what we accept as, as what, how God might be working. And then, and then on the other hand, you've got some people who are, who are ready to accept anything and everything like, yeah, God's saying this. I think God's leading that. And, and God told me this. And, and like, whoa, Paul's saying, hey, 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 I want you to be open to how God is at work among his people. And this is just as important. You need to be discerning about what God is and is not doing among his people, what he is and is not saying. You're like, okay, but if we, you know, it was, it was all easy when, when like this, this is God's word and God doesn't speak or move in any other way. We, we know we, it's, it's a little simpler, easier here. What about, how do I go about this testing? That if someone says something to me that I'm not sure about that. Well, one uh, simple test is, does it line up with scripture? Okay. So this is the objective, clear word of God. Does what they say line up or does it seem to be contradictory? That's the easiest test. Now, back in the, in the New Testament times, when the New Testament was still being written, believers didn't have, they couldn't just go to the New Testament. And so uh, the Apostle John writes this in 1 John 4, 1 through 3. He says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this, you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. Now, you might think, well, that's, that's a pretty low bar, right? I mean, couldn't anybody just say, Jesus is Lord, and then go on and say anything else that they want to say? Well, it's, it's more than that. It's not just mouthing the words here. And I think if we think this through a little bit more, we can see how it can be helpful for us today as well, as we are called to test, to evaluate what a believer might say to us that, like, hmm, is this really from the Lord, or is it not? Well, think about it. When you're trying to discern uh, a word through a fellow believer, whether or not it's from God, is it consistent with the message that Jesus Christ is Lord? Does it point you toward more devotion, more obedience, more love for Jesus? Does it, does it help you trust him more? Does it, does, it, does it help you rest in all that he is for you? Or does it, does it put you in a, going in a different direction? See, if it, help you, if it helps you put Jesus in his proper place in your life, it, if it calls you away from everything that would take you away from him, then that's good. And Paul says, hold fast to what's good. This is for your building up. This is for your encouragement and consolation. This is God at work in you through a brother or sister in Christ. And we'll give thanks for that. But then you say, well, okay, but what, if, but what if it's not that? What if it goes against all that, that brings me closer to Christ? What if what they're saying is, is contrary to that? Well, again, we've got the next verse here that says, verse 22, abstain from every form of evil. You don't want to touch that with a 10-foot pole. Don't go there. And you say, well, hey, I get it that some uh, believers coming to me with a word and they, you know, they might be misguided. 
they, they might think they have a word from God, but really it's just their own imagination. It's just their opinion, um, just their background, their culture. Is that really, is that really evil? You know, uh, is it possible that someone in the church would, would lead you to evil? Well, while I don't expect that to be the case, we do have to be discerning. Uh, there, there are false truths that pop up, bubble up anywhere and everywhere, and sometimes it can come through another believer, not because maybe that they're, they're evil per se, but just that they've get, gotten sucked into something that they shouldn't have. So unlike the times of the New Testament, when there were often traveling uh, teachers, prophets that would come through, and you, had to, you really had to discern, is this a true or false prophet? Is this true or false teaching? More likely for us, particularly as we are careful about who we let stand here and bring God's word to you, more likely the, the way that, that this would infiltrate the life of the church for us is maybe a, maybe a misleading book or maybe a, uh, a YouTube video that seems really powerfully, you know, well put together, um, really, maybe features a, a really uh, powerful writer or a uh, an effective speaker, and you know, one person, a few people get like, "Hey, this is good stuff." And hey, you should listen to this person. You should check this out. Like they are telling you, me stuff that I've never heard before. Um, sometimes that's good. A lot of times that's bad. They're telling me stuff I've never heard before. Well, but does it does it line up with God's word? And so we've got to we've got to be careful. If it does not line up with Scripture, if it does not exalt Jesus, if it does not build you up in the faith, encouragement, and comfort uh, in the Lord, just say no. There, there are so many things in this world that you can choose that are don't matter. I mean, it's, it's fine either way. What, vanilla, chocolate? I don't care. Uh, you know, minivan, SUV? Well, sure, fine, whatever works for you. Um, but some things in this world are true or false, and they are matters of life and death. And when it comes to those who say they speak for God, I have a word for you from the Lord. Look to the good, look for the good, and listen to God as he speaks, when he speaks among his people. And if it's not that, don't listen. Be open. So we, we, this is, there is something that we have to align, we have to walk here. Not being the just quenching it uh, I'm, not, I'm not expecting or looking for the, the Spirit of God to be at work in His people, to be, to be ministering through the Word of God. I don't, I'm not expecting that. I'm not looking for it. Or people are like, yeah, just whatever. That sounds good. Sure. Yeah. I, I, did you see this? I got, let, me, let me share this with you that I found. And it, th- this, is, th- this is where th- they've got something that, that they don't want you to know about. Uh, and like, whoever they is, you know, they are. Uh, and Okay, can't be that those people either. Look for the good, not 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 folks in the glass half full kind of way. Well, I'm just kind of looking for the good and everything. Look for where God's at work. Where is God so that you can see? You have the the, the that it's possible for you to rejoice always. Look for the good so that you can pray without ceasing. Look for how He's at work. In your, in your life so that you can give thanks in all circumstances. And when we are together and speaking and opening God's word, look for the good. Expect God to be at work through his word and expect God to be at work and to, to 
guide you, to instruct you, to exhort you through his people. Look for the good. Listen for what's true and what's right, and you can let other things fall away. That's fine. Let's be people who are not just optimists looking for the good, but looking for the good in everything because we're trusting that God is at work in us. Let's do that together. Let's pray. Thank you, Father. Thank you for a reason to rejoice today as we did when we were singing earlier and I pray that we will do as we go forward into our day. I pray that even as we may uh, celebrate fathers this afternoon that it, there would also be a, just an instinctive uh, turn to you as well. Thanking you for the fathers we have. Thanking you perhaps that you're the Maybe you're the only good father we've known. But, Lord, whether good or bad, let us turn to you. Rejoice always, praying without ceasing, giving thanks in every circumstance. Thank you, Father, for the family of faith you've given us, the, the way that you are here among us by your Spirit, the way that you're at work among us through your Word. Give us life that is unquenchable. And I, I want to say that in both ways, that a life that is always thirsting for more and a life that is a fire that can't be put out. God, would you, would you give us that in this church? We pray that you would do that so we could be more of what you want us to be, so that we can better show the world who, how good you are and how wonderful the gospel is. Through Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. Amen. Let's stand as we sing.